Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. What is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. In the words of Russian President Vladimir Putin, hurling is popular. Welcome to Monday Second Captain's Podcast. Owen and Ken with you today, Noel Murph. Rumours are, Ken. How are you, by the way? Good, how are good, you? Yeah, I'm good, yeah. Rumours are that Kieran is still wandering around the empty stands in Croke Park in a daze after witnessing Galway's extra time victory with Clare on Saturday, followed by Limerick's extra time. Well, sorry, is it Galway's, Galway's oh, draw, I should that's say. That's what I thought. Claire, yeah. Jeez, I'm nearly changing narrative entirely there. Yeah. And Limerick's extra time victory over Cork yesterday. Seven goals, 123 points. Not a bad return for a pair of all in semi-finals, I think you'd agree. Damien Britton emailed in. Hi, guys. Looking forward to your coverage of one of the greatest weekends of hurling. But can we ban the phrase greatest game in the world from the discussion or any slagging off of big ball games in general? As an Ulster football man, that drives me crazy. Unless you get Ken to discuss it. Ken discussing hurling is a bit like a Martian talking about it. <laughs> well, you will get the Martian's thoughts in a moment, Damien, as well as Maddie Clerkin and Patrick Donnellan a little bit later. Claire Lord winning captain from 2013, of course, who we had on last week in the World Service. But the first voice that you need to hear, surely, is the man who's broken the internet with his RTE radio co-commentary a man we once commemorated on a tea towel Kent don't I remember that uh, John yes yeah indeed yeah it is John Milan don't worry you're not giving the game away here it's a clip of John Milan at his most John Milanish yesterday as Limerick finally dro- drove for home in the closing stages the great man takes a meandering tour through his favourite Spotify playlist before eventually making his point about the cranberries in Limerick yeah and I was just coming up in the car today and the, the cranberries came on and the song dreams linger and I was thinking then Limerick you're a lady thinking of days like today Dolores O'Riordan an iconic lady for Limerick and most certainly it's Limerick our dream's going to come alive our childhood dream's going to come alive where Limerick kick on and end 45 years of hurt was it Dreams, John? Was it Linger? What was it? Which Cranberry song were you listening to on the way up? We, we need to know. I was listening to John Milan in the car with my mum, Ken. Uh, oh, really? John Milan's newest fan. Yeah, we were actually coming back from a family weekend in Clare. Yes. Happened to watch the Clare Galway did it game. Did it stop raining at any point on when you, when you were on, making your way uh, off? I saw uh, you. from the RT studios, yeah. Did it stop raining by the time you got there? Yeah. No, I, we got quite lucky with the weather, Ken. Very good. Yep, yep, yep. Glad to hear it. Um, watched Clare Galway in a pub in beautiful Fenor. 
which uh, I described as West Clare. I'm told it's North Clare. I and mean, the Atlantic Ocean was right there, so you can mm-hmm. understand my confusion there. Great atmosphere in the pub. Uh, just as we're leaving the boozer, a local outlet goes to my mum, Jesus, the tension, the tension. was unbelievable. My mother's saying, yeah, which is unbearable. She had absolutely no interest. She was in another room having lunch with my sister, not watching anything. My mum has a great ability uh, to talk shite with outlads, particularly oh. country, yeah, outlads from the country. So she, she keeps going, bear in mind, we're outside the pub at this station. She goes, you're still smoking anyway, as though she's been mates with this guy for 20 years. Yeah. And he kind of looks sheepish and says, yeah, thinking of giving up next week. What this, what's the <laughs> subtext of that? Thinking of giving up next You're week. a little old to be still smoking? Was no, it? the subtext was just, he had been nice to, a stranger had been nice to my mother, made a bit of conversation. She thought she'd make a bit back. Oh, the so obvious, the only thing to really talk about was either the weather or the fact that he was smoking a cigarette outside. Yeah. So that's what she got into. Made him feel a little bit guilty, but I'm sure. Well, it's probably on day one after many anyway today, so. Yeah, it was often now, yeah, because it is now technically next week. Give Damien Britton what he wants, Ken. Yeah. What, what do you think of the weekend's hurling? I saw the extra time of the Limerick-Cork match. Yeah. I thought it was very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought Limerick scored some excellent goals. Oh, so you saw those the blitz of goals, the a, penalty. A, a flurry of goals. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, there was about three in like five minutes. Um, well, this is something that I want to get, because I want to ask the two boys what their favourite moment was. So what's your favourite moment? Sure, you only watched extra the third, time. The third Limerick goal, the lob over the goal. Oh, goal yeah, after, after the sort of Seamus Coleman trajectory run down the wing, all the way around the corner, yeah. uh, in off the ball and then over the goalkeeper. Beautiful. That was very good. I have to say my reaction, you know, at, at such moments, I, I always like to go to the Twitter feed of Roy Curtis, uh, at Roy Curtis 68 and um, he's... And, and I saw that he had written, sitting in Croke Park, tears streaming from eyes. So many narrow definitions of what it is to be Irish. But Christ Almighty, this beautiful thing. Oh, hurling, thou art divine. A visceral sense of identity, belonging, scream out loud joy. The soul soars. Hashtag GA. Hashtag Cork versus Limerick. Can't argue I with that, can you? I couldn't have put it better myself. <laughs> that was, uh, but that did some of my feelings pretty accurately. We'll get into the hurling in just a moment, right after a major news announcement. A whole new way of doing journalism is brilliant. I don't know what you're talking about. The tickets to the Second Captain's Premier League night with Cadbury in the Liberty Hall on the 9th of August sold out in just a couple of minutes last week. World Service members snapped them up as they get first dibs for all our shows, including our end-of-year extravaganzas. But who is our superstar guest? Ken, this is such big news that I'm going to extend the suspense for our listeners and play a mysterious and dramatic clip with various clues about who this is. Is that all right? Okay. So you've got to listen carefully, everyone. Our superstar is not featured, doesn't speak in the first two clips, but is there in the background. You'll finally hear his voice in the final clip. Play mysterious audio, please. Simon, let's see if everybody can figure this out. Yeah, it's Gary Neville, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, the man who has revolutionised football punditry. It's going to be with us live at the Liberty Hall with second captains. Cannot wait for this conversation. Really, really interesting football man. And Cadbury, the official snack partner to the Premier League, have made all this happen. So a huge thank you to them. If you have any questions, I'd say you probably do, that you'd like to ask Gary Neville, email us, editor at secondcaptains.com, or you can tweet them to at secondcaptains. The best and funniest will win Cadbury hampers 
and Second Captain's T-shirts. So that's Gary Neville on air with Second Captain's, available to listen to from August the 10th. So we'll put it out the day after the live appearance. And for those of you who tried to get tickets but couldn't, we will have a bunch of live shows later in the year, so don't worry about that. You'll have the first news on those shows, as always, if you're a member of the World Service. Now to the hurling. Modern day coaching. What is it all about? Paralysis by analysis. Infiltrated by a load of spoofers and bluffers. Fellas with earpieces stuck in their ears. Psychologists, Clyde Woodward, statisticians, dietitians, and as Mick O'Connell alluded to, God save us. Michael Clerken, let's just get into this, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> I think there's enough to keep I us going, ha- to I stay in a chat. Well, I haven't exited it since <laughs> yesterday, so I'm, I'm still in it. Yeah. Patrick Donnell, you've recovered the power of speech, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was um, a fairly thrilling couple of games now the last few days. And yeah, from a clear point of view, it was uh, fairly up and down the whole way through it. So, yeah. Crazy stuff, really. Have you ever seen anything like it for for a weekend's entertainment? Uh, the only uh, comparison, the only recent comparison, I guess, would have been the 2014. Remember the football semifinals? The replay, the Mayo Kerry replay was in Limerick on the mm-hmm. Saturday and Donegal beat Dublin in Croke Park on the Sunday. Ah, I yeah, remember yeah. the Monday after that going, whoa, <laughs> what a, holy jeez, what was that? How could you ever see something like that before? But this was, I guess, of, of a different stripe. Like this was, this was just so um, relentless. Um, it was funny, about 10 minutes into yesterday's game, it's the second half of normal time in yesterday's game. It's amazing all the categorizations you have to do. <laughs> uh, I, I was kind of, I was going, I, was, I didn't know whether I was enjoying the Limerick-Cork match as much as I enjoyed the Clare-Galway game. They were so different. There was so much more space, or it felt like there was so much more space in the Limerick-Cork game. And 10 minutes into the second half of normal time, there had been 10 scores since half time. And it was just puck out, score, puck out, score, catch this, puck out, bang, bang, bang. And I was kind of computing in my head that if you took out like the time the ball was out of play for puck outs and there was an injury in those 10 minutes, you're going, I think this is 10 points in six minutes. I, I know this is impressive, but I don't know if it's, if it's amazing or, I, you know, I, I, I didn't know how to feel yeah. about it. But as the game went on yesterday, and, and certainly the last five minutes of normal time, much like the last five minutes of normal time on Saturday, it just went to another place. You know, just that, that completely elemental place where everything matters. Everything that everybody on the pitch did mattered and felt like it mattered and mattered to everybody in the crowd. Yeah. It, was, it was astonishing. And everybody watching. And it's, uh, you know, you do watch a lot of sport, sometimes half tuned into it, maybe on your phone, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. You're really zeroed in when, it, when, it's, when, it, when it's like that. Um, one of your articles you wrote over the weekend, or I think it was this morning, you're trying to pinpoint your favourite moments, yeah. which is not easy to do. <laughs> Did you come to a conclusion? Oh, Nicky Quaid's... Uh, uh, flick tackle oh, yeah, on, yeah. on Seamus at the, at, again at the, at the end of normal time yeah, yeah. Cork would have won with, with a goal yeah because like there was so many other things you know like Peter Duggan's point was insane uh, two of Joe Canning's sideline cuts were insane um, Conor Lehan's goal was, was amazing I thought Pat Ryan's goal was gorgeous finish mm. um, but that was the ball game you know uh, Cork were sprinting away. This was they needed. This was it. It was a goal. Seamus Harrity. Who else would they want on it? Winds up to do it. It that was it. There was no way Limerick were coming back from that. And just the timing, the timing to get in there, flick that ball away. I thought, to me, that was the moment. It was the Peter Duggan point for me, and I've watched it. I've watched it back since a number of times. Mm. As I say, a lot of a lot of us are just the the amount of 
the improbability of pulling everything off that he pulled off, he takes, the, even the handbass he receives at a kind of an awkward height. So it starts off, yeah. he's off balance on the back foot, shrugs off a player, bounces it off the ground to get past another player, flicks it back into his hand. Then as he takes the hit from, I think, the third or fourth defender, that's when he puts it back on the hurl, flicks it up a couple of times, yeah. is leaning over to right, totally off balance and somehow, somehow knocks it over. But I, was, I was watching it, I was saying earlier, it happened to be in Clare over the weekend and I was watching that in a pub in Fenor and it was one of those moments where the locals just, the, the, they reacted to that point sort of with a cheer, but mostly just by breaking their shite laughing. Oh, of course. Like, it was just laughing. Yeah. It was just laughter. And then the, the, it goes again and everyone's just laughing yeah. more and more the more replays are because it was just so, you know, this incredulous kind of laughter. Yeah. Like, I can't believe what yeah. I've just seen. It's, it's just, just an unthinkable it's score. It's absolutely mental. Yeah. What about yourself, Pat? What was your favourite moment? Yeah, Peter. Peter's point was, was it? Yeah, yeah. I think for me, yeah. And, you know, obviously from a clear point of view as well, but I just think we, we would have seen Peter doing that. I suppose in previous years in club hurling, and then maybe when he came onto the clear panel, he's he's a bit of an enigma, and he's always capable of doing something different on a day, or you know, putting over a, an outrageous point from distance or a line ball. He kind of has it all. But I think just you know, when on a game like that in Croke Park and I learned semi final, four or five guys hanging off you after uh, passing it off the ground for yourself, and then mm-hmm. flick it over was just it was unreal. I think, and it just kind of summed up like Maliki's saying, you know, we we've. we've We've been treated, I suppose, for the last couple of weeks and, and even this weekend we've been treated even more to outrageous pieces of individual skill, to, you know, the heart, determination, everything. And I suppose it just uh yeah, like you say, most people are just looking on with open mouths and those kind of things happen and from a care point of view it just I yeah, I nearly jumped out of my seat and stand looking on it anyway and uh I was uh, I was only hoping he could do it a bit more in the game to try and push Claire over the line as well. Yeah, we'll come back to Claire, Patrick, but just on Cork Limerick, Malachi, that was a more recent game. What got Limerick over the line in the end? What did Limerick have that Cork didn't? Uh, I I think on a on a on a very basic level they had a bench mm. uh, that Cork didn't. It, it was only really and and I I should have been more across this I guess, but it was only really when when Cork started losing, like they were very unlucky in the guys that they lost. Like Daniel Carney was having. The, he was he has had a brilliant championship and he was having that same sort of game again you know sort of insinuating himself in between uh Dermot Burns at wing back and Garrod Hegarty at wing forward and uh, he, they were kind of deciding between each other you have him no you have him no I have him no I have him and he was just finding little pockets of space and and being a go-to guy, Seamus Harney took a bang in the first half that he took a while to get up from, and wasn't really the same for the rest of the game. Um, Dara Fitzgibbon uh, has had an, an amazing championship. Like like what a player um, offers something that that very few players actually have in the country. Like just a okay, put the ball out in front of me, and I'm going to run, and nobody is going to catch me. Um, and he got injured as well. And it was only really when they lost these guys and you saw who they were replacing them with. They were under 21 players. And they w- just weren't able to affect the game in the same way as Shane Dowling. When Shane Dowling came on, you could see from his very first involvement, this guy is on it. Get this guy the ball. He like he scored a... I think his first involvement was to take the long-range free that got it from six points down to five points down. And there was polite applause, a smattering of applause. Almost from the next attack, he scored a, a point off his left-hand side and he punched the air. And even then, it kind of felt a little bit out of kilter like because it was only down to four points. And the the applause was still a bit kind of, oh, okay, right, well, okay, well, we're, we're not definitely out of this, but, you know, we're not really back in this yet. And yet, 
you could see he was on it. He wanted the ball. Get me the ball. I'm going to get us through this. And in extra time, he just took over the game. He, like he set up Aaron Galan. Was Aaron Galan got the first point? Uh, yeah, he was. He sh- uh, uh, Aaron Galan's third goal chance of the game. Uh, then he scored a free. Then he got fouled for a free. Then he he he, got, he ran through. Was going to score a goal. Got fouled for the penalty. Scored the penalty. They got that off the bench. They got Pat Ryan who scored a great goal off the bench. They got Peter Casey off the bench. They scored two six off the bench. Cork got a point off the bench. Uh, brass tacks. I think that was the difference. Well, yeah, well, when, when there's an extra 20 minutes to play, you need extra bodies or you need the same bodies coming back on. Yeah, I but, it, but, I, but I think in what you're asking is, is, is really two questions. Th- that's right. what got them through. That's what won them the game, game in extra time. What got them to extra time was, I think, a combination of a few things. The fact that in games this year, they have been there before. They have been... Uh, uh, down in games and have come back. They have had uh, hammer blows in games, no more than than in the quarterfinal against Kilkenny, where Richie Hogan's goal, they got the next three points. This time they were six points down. Not only did they get the six points back, they got seven in a row in the last seven, eight minutes to go ahead. They they had, if you go, even go back to the league where they had the, the, the game that nearly lasted three days uh, against Tipperary, you know, they just kept coming back and coming back and coming back. Uh, or sorry, that was against Clare, sorry. But they they have they have been down in games and they, they know what they're about. Like they didn't, when Downing came on, it wasn't a matter of sticking them on the edge of the square and lashing the ball up to them. They still played the way that they were playing. They still mm-hmm. played the ball through the lines, look for the guys that were running... I think they recognise that if they could get, if they could get possession around their half back line midfield, I think they could see that the Cork full back line was a little bit there for the taking all day, and that's where that's where their goals came from in the end. Yeah, and the, that sort of confidence they've built up over the year. Eddie Brennan made the point on RTE on radio this morning, Patrick, that, the, that Limerick have beaten Cork tip and Kilkenny and Waterford already this summer in the championship and they still have to win another one to win the All-Ireland but of course there is a base of confidence there and maybe we should have seen that for yesterday. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I think, look, a lot of the teams are very even. That's, that's, ultimately, that's the way it is. You know, any, any team can beat any other team on, on the day um, and it very much is coming down to the day. I think that's what this championship is thrown out whether it was the league format earlier on or whether it is the All-Ireland Series now. The team that performs better on the day and finishes well, stronger panel um, and I suppose has, is more clinical on the day ultimately comes out on top. And like you say, Limerick, I thought, were, were just fantastic yesterday. A lot of things kind of um, <clears throat> went against them you know, they they obviously was were a young team, going to be up there for uh, their first time in a couple of years. A lot of pressure on them, I suppose, internally. Uh, two of their stronger forwards throughout the year, Tom Morrissey and Seamus Flanagan, probably struggled a little bit and were taken off. But like Maliki is saying, the, the, the guys that came off the bench were just superb. And Limerick have that like-for-like replacement in the squad, which, to be honest... You know, you kind of can't really see if any other team has that even. And he, over the weekend, you would have seen it in the other games, Clare and Galway, where they brought guys back on that were brought off previously mm. in extra time. So Limerick are, are consistent, I suppose, in that their, their squad is very strong. Um, I thought Peter Casey was absolutely excellent when he came on. And I, I think I counted four or five balls that uh, he didn't score, but he, he had a direct uh, relationship to getting a score from when he came on. And, you know, to have a young guy coming off the bench like that that understands the game plan, that can get seamlessly into the play in the last 10 or 15 minutes of an Ireland semi-final, it just shows that the work that they're doing in training, the work that they've done all year, the confidence they have, um, the belief they have in the system, 
um, and that anyone that comes on, whether it's a wing forward, wing back, corner back, that you just slot in, you do what the last fellow was doing, and it'll come right eventually if it's uh, if it's uh, if it's done correctly. So it's um, it's real credit to them, I think. You know, you you'll definitely have Cork thinking that they were six points up and they should have pushed on. But if, if looking back on the game and when I looked at it again, I don't think Cork were really flowing like they have been earlier on in the year. Um, even, even, Oregon, even with all the scores well, they were they were posting, you didn't think they were really. It was I, did, I didn't think they were. No, and it just I like. Uh, they were, I suppose, you know, Conor Lehan kind of came into the game at the end. And when he did come into the game at the end, I thought, look, I thought they're, they're on form now here. They're going to push on. But, you know, Pat Horgan struggled probably in, in, in Paris during the game. He was really, really consistent for the rest of the year uh, or the, the early part of the year where he was getting three or four points from play. Really dangerous. It wasn't as much yesterday. Um, Harnady obviously got the knock at the start. Looked like it took him 10 or 15 minutes to get back into the game, but it's still finishing well. Um, but I just think I think they weren't flowing like they were. Mark Coleman didn't have a great influence yesterday. Um, on Cadigan seems to suffer a little bit there in the half back line as well. They, I just think that they really, really had seemed like a team that was clicking um, up to that point. And even though they were ahead, I don't think it was that they were playing to the best of their ability either. And then when Limerick got things right, when they could settle a little bit, um, when they got on top of the Cork backs, I think you could see then Limerick kind of just gradually drifting away and pulling away. And because Cork didn't have a potential change or an impact from the bench like Limerick had, it was very, very hard for him to kind of stop it. Look, albeit with if Harnity got that goal, it would have been over. But I, I like Maliki there, I kind of didn't really know what way to read the game mm-hmm. at times, whether it was playing extremely loose or the standard was very high and the guys were just under pressure. It was, it was, it was a very, very much of a different game um, to, the, to the previous day uh, and it, was, it seemed very loose and it kind of seemed like, look, if any team gets a bit of a run here and gets, gets ahead towards the end, they're going to push away because, um, because the, the tactical element of it, I suppose, didn't really seem like teams were crowding the space very much. There seemed to be space everywhere. Even at the end of the game, there was three or four car guys loose everywhere, um, albeit Limerick pushing back and it just seemed to be a little bit more scattered than, than the previous day. You mentioned Shane Dowding earlier on. Obviously, he had a huge impact, mm. and his penalty, I thought, alone was mm. just so superbly struck. I couldn't when I saw it first. I, I had to see the replay to see exactly where it had gone and where Nash had gone, mm. which was completely opposite directions, as it turns out. But Dowding himself spoke very well after the game. I'll have a quick listen. We're a passionate county, but I will ask for one message. I'll ask the supporters to enjoy it, and I hope they embrace it. But I do plead that they leave the players focus for the next three weeks because we've been here a number of times in the last 30 or 40 years and this time I really hope we're not just going to get to the final to march behind a band I want Limerick to go all the way Was there any debate over who to take the penalty? There was, I looked at Paul and um, you know, Paul came in and his, his words were this is how championship games are won go for it and I did. Yeah, Shane Downing there, and I think you can get the sense of the confidence that we've been talking about mm. a little bit. He's he's talking about not <laughs> going to an Iron Final to win it. I suppose one, as opposed to just just turning up. I suppose one um, element that they could work on would be you said it earlier on. Aaron Galan scored a load. He scored thirteen points, six from play, man of the match, and yet he left a few behind him. A lot of the pundits were talking about this habit that he seems to have of losing the hurl and therefore ending up having to try to kick the ball in. Yeah. Um, is, is, he seemed to be claiming that the hurl was being taken from him on those occasions. Yeah, it, I didn't notice it uh, so much in his game against Kilkenny, but apparently there was a load in, in that game as well. Uh, I I guess to a certain extent, uh, 
obviously to drop the hurley is a, is a free out. Hmm. And if it's taken off you, it's supposed to be a free in. So essentially, I, I think there are times that he, he sort of subconsciously feels a bit of a tug on it uh, and then decides, right, I'm going to get a free in here anyway. Uh, if I... if if I make it look like it's been taken off me, well, I have left the guy behind, so I'm straight through on goal, uh, and I need to kick it in. And if that doesn't work, it's a free in anyway. So I, I, I wonder, is that sort of subconsciously in his head? It, four times in a game, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 seemed, uh, it, it seemed too often to be, to be an accident, certainly if, if there was that many times in the, in the Kilkenny know, game. If he can get his 13 points up to three goals in 13 points, it's <laughs> well, a the, the fair shot of beating Galway or Clare. Well, either that or he, needs to, he needs to work on his, uh, his goal kicking a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, what, what's the feeling, Clare, now after Saturday? You've had a couple of days to think about it. Um, is, is it relief? Was there, was there a chance to actually win it? Lord, there was a chance to do both. Sure, there was a chance to, to lose it a couple of times and a chance to win it a couple of times as well. I suppose when when Johnny Cohen had that chance at the end, um, and he just dropped it in short, you know, you were definitely thinking that that was that was probably the lights for clear. But um, I think, yeah, look, looking back on it, I, there there was it was one of those games that kind of ebbed and flowed again. Um, it was probably it was it was a lot more physical. I think it was a lot more um, a lot tighter in terms of the, the space was being used in the field and, and the Cork Limerick game guys were a lot more under pressure when they were taking the ball on sounds like you enjoyed it it, 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 it sounds like you didn't take any sort of bias out of it but you preferred the, the Saturday, that game on Saturday did you? no I, di- I didn't like it, it, just, it just depends on what it's, it's just interesting the way the games work out and I suppose you know Cork I suppose when teams are playing Cork it tends to be a bit looser anyway probably like Clare and Cork played earlier on in the year um, because their forwards move so much and because their backs tend to hold position they don't follow man to man most of the time um, <clears throat> it tends to leave a lot of space everywhere so it's kind of score for score whereas you know when you're playing the likes of a Galway or Kilkenny or a tip that they're going to try and uh, get a hold of you quickly their half forwards will drop very deep so space is going to be limited from the outset and you know that it's much more of a physical contest um, I, I, I couldn't say that, that I didn't enjoy it look I suppose from a clear point of view I'll always enjoy the clear, clear games more but I was still on the edge of my seat yesterday um, at the Limerick and Cork game and it was I suppose exciting in different different aspects um, the the chances for the goals in the Limerick Cork game you know were obviously less than, than in the clear, clear Galway game but they were they were still just really really exciting games and what, what you want to see I suppose from a supporters point of view or even from, from a hurling point of view you just want to see players playing well and, and taking the right opportunity the most time you don't want to see lads that are playing within themselves you don't want to see guys that are afraid to take on a shot or afraid to take on a score in the Clare Galway game, you know, you had you had Peter Duggan doing that score, you had Conor Whelan scoring points from out near the corner flag. It was just it was amazing to watch it. And to be able to do that at the highest level, I just think it speaks very highly of the players themselves, the management teams, the group, and, and I suppose the 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 way they all approached the approached the game, you know, that they wanted to go out, they wanted to try things, they wanted to put their best foot forward and look give themselves the best chance of winning, which is which is all any team can do anyway. Nine down after fifteen minutes, four down at half time, three down again with about three minutes left on the clock. You, you would have to be satisfied enough if you're clear that you that you've shown that you can keep digging it out from those positions. I, well, they were delighted afterwards. Mm. I can tell you that uh, on Saturday night. Um, I waited down in the uh, the tunnel under the Hogan stand uh, for both teams to come out. Um, the Galway lads, you could see, were very stony-faced, very kind of... I don't know if... It, it, I, I wondered afterwards, do they know more about um, 
Joe Canning and Gerard McInerney uh, than than anyone was prepared to tell us. Like we're sitting here on Monday, nobody knows yet what the state of play is with their injuries. Mm. Um, but they did seem very, very, very straight, very down. Not down because they wouldn't. None of them would stop to talk anyway. But uh, but the Clare lads were absolutely bubbling. When the, when really? they walk, but yeah, yeah, all all delighted to stop and chat. Shane O'Donnell, Podge Collins, uh, Pat O'Connor, all these guys, no problem, and absolutely delighted with themselves with the account they'd given of themselves back in Croke Park for the first time in five years. I think that really was a big deal for them. That this was their first game in Croke Park since the 2013 All Ireland. I wonder, final. Is, I wonder, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Though looking at the replay, yeah, that, it, it, you could say that's really positive that they're feeling great about themselves, or could they subconsciously bow out with a heroic defeat in the I replay? I don't think so. You, you I, can't I, exactly. No, I, do, I think the the um, the opportunity to bow out with with a heroic defeat was there any amount of times. <laughs> That's a fair point. Yeah, you know they nine points down and. They could have, you know, got it to five by half time and still lost by a point, and everybody would have gone, you know, fair play to you. Um, I think, in fairness to them, um, you can absolutely see why they were happy coming out of it. Uh, first of all, um, for the first fifteen minutes, they looked like they were being outclassed. So to still be surviving after that—that's a, that's a positive. B, it wasn't just that they kept doing what they were doing and got back into the game. They actually, you know, they made a tactical change. They dropped Colin Galvin back and it changed the game. So so it was, it, they, they, something they did, a proactive thing that they did actually changed the game and it changed two things about the game. One, it stopped the flow of Galway scores and two, it fixed the Clare puck out because the Clare puck out was under such pressure in that opening period. But all of a sudden, because they had an extra man there, they had an option. Donald Huey had an option. He could play it to Colin Galvin. He could play it out. Like, Colin, Colin Galvin himself scored a magnificent point. One of my, my favourite moments of the weekend where Tui hit a, a, a laser of a, of a puck out to Tony Kelly in midfield who just batted it down to... Galvin on the run and Galvin pointed it from midfield it was a glorious <laughs> score an absolutely glorious score because it had to be so pinpoint because there was a, a, like a, a, as Patrick says you know there was no space even the you know the game changed but it didn't change into a game that was open and loose like like what we saw yesterday it still was the terms of engagement were still so physical and so tight and you know, Tui had a, a very small corridor to find Tony Kelly. Kelly had to just bat it first time and Galvin had scored from, from midfield. So that changed. And so because of something proactive they did, they found their way back into the game. And then when it came down to the, the guts and glory part of it, you know, the, you know, doing what has to be done when only that will do, they were able to do that as well. At the end of the game, Tony Kelly's sideline cut when they were three points down. He had to score it, like. And Shane O'Donnell scored a brilliant point in extra time. Aaron Shanahan, like, that was lost in everything. That was Aaron Shanahan's first time in the Clare squad, even, since he did his cruciate last year. For him to come on, he caught a brilliant ball, in, I think, in the first half of extra time, but got crowded out. Second, bang, goal their first time leading in the whole game so you could absolutely see why they were buzzing after it and I think that they would go away thinking we have nothing to fear here everybody thought all the way through the summer that Galway are the you know they're out ahead of everybody else Claire will not be thinking that this week they have to think that they're in this I have to say I'm buzzing even talking about the games again it's great it really is exciting is that your reading of it Patrick? 
Yeah, look, they definitely will. And, you know, and look, they were the underdogs going into the game. So I suppose the fact that they had chances to win it, albeit the chances to, that they would have lost the game as well, but if they would have gained an awful lot of of, um, of confidence coming away from Croke Park the last day, knowing that they can go toe-to-toe with, with Galway. They, they would have been confident um, to a point before the, the game started and, and in the build-up during the last few weeks and things like that. But I think having seen them up close, the player players will know now exactly that they're they're at that level, they're capable of matching them physically, they're capable of matching them in terms of skill, and that there isn't anything to fear there, because, you know, there would have been maybe a little bit of a niggling element in the back that, you know, Galway are the All-Ireland champions, that physically they're so imposing, that they're on form and so on, so I would think that the clear players, like Maliki saying, they were coming out of the dressing room after the game, they would have been built up by the management inside, they would have been really, really uh, looking forward to the game next week, um, and I suppose they need to do that as well, though. That, that's the that's the the way they should approach it, you know. Um, take as many positives out of the game as you can. You know, learn uh, in a few little areas. You know, be a little bit more clinical. If they don't make mistakes in the first ten or fifteen minutes, um, in terms of the puckouts, like they'll have a great, great chance. And if they can get ahead of Galway, put a bit of pressure on them, and maybe let Galway chase them. You know, in a in a game or in a position uh, during the game that they haven't been in this year so far, you'll you'll test Galway again, maybe on a different level that they haven't been uh, to date. And even you know the clear puckouts at the start, like we're saying, they, they they seemed even at the game looking at it, it seemed like they were hell bent on going for those puckouts. The wing backs and cornerbacks were free or at other stages uh, at the start of the game, but they seemed like they were going down the channels between the half-back and between the centre-back for some reason. I assume it was to try and draw out the Galway midfield and, and half-back line, but the space is very tight, and especially at the start of the game, everybody is tuned in and to the, to the, you know, to the limit, I suppose, that they're going to be. At the end of the game, players might, might have uh, tired a bit, or the forwards might have tired a bit for Galway, and they might have left a bit of space, but at the start of the game, you need to be nailing your puckouts. Go with the easier option if you have to. Go with the shorter option if you have to, don't be giving away two or three handy scores or five or six handy puckouts at the start of the game. And I think, from a clear point of view, if they can get that start of the game right, you know, learn like they did uh, in terms of opening the space up in the forwards, bringing a man a little bit deeper if it is necessary again. They'll definitely have to fix a few more things, like keeping an eye on Johnny Glynn or who's marking Johnny Glynn. He caught a lot of ball. I know he's extremely tall and I know Mark and a big guy is very, very difficult. I was going to say, who wants to mark Johnny Glynn <laughs> yeah. in that kind of form? Yeah. But it's still, you can't, you know, everyone would have known that he was going to be there and you cannot stand under a yeah. man like that. He's, you know, he's probably a foot taller than most of the guys out there. So he's going to beat you to the ball if you stand under him. You know, you have to attack it from behind or you have to, you know, make sure that you're, you're, you're holding your ground and you can shove him out of the way somehow before the ball comes. But you, you know, you, you just can't allow him to get five or six balls in primary position in front of the goal or like opening forward when he came out. It gives Galway, you know, a, a foundation immediately. You know, and Clare, I think, did very well the other day on, on, on the other Galway forwards. Kyle Mannion had a great game, albeit in Conor Whelan. But I think Joe Kenning um, was in and out of the game. Um, Conor Cooney obviously was in and out. Niall Burke, when he came on, was in and out. And so I think Galway will, or Clare will be, will be relatively happy that they kind of broke even in that respect. But I think there is things that Clare really, really need to work on because Galway will fear or will, will feel like there's more in them. That's the other side of it too. You know, I, I think they'll feel like if they had kept momentum they had in 10 or 50, the first 10 or 15 minutes and if they were a little bit more clinical with the few goal chances that they had or chances in your goals, that they'll feel like they, they could have... Um, put a few more points on the board. So, it, look, it's, it's really interesting, I think, the next day. Um, Clare, I feel Clare will be really looking forward to it, maybe even a little bit more than Galway will, but I think, you know, the fact that Galway came out of the dressing room, like Maliki saying, Stoney Fist, I think they will be 
really gearing up for a massive battle the next day and really putting it up to themselves that they have to have to get a bit more out of themselves and look at just it, it just has the makings of a great game again next week. Speaking of massive battles, Murph um had a little player cam on well, not, not an actual player cam he was having a look at John Conlon and Dahi Burke this much hyped mm. clash from beforehand and he, he said what he noticed was that, that as the ball is being struck they'd already be getting stuck into yes. each other jostling for the best position it was, it was pretty pretty intense even as the ball is just you know mm. in, in the air and then that physicality would go up another level as it's dropping down he actually said he'd buy tickets to watch the two of them contest puck outs with no one else on the pitch <laughs> I don't know if you get much of an eye on those two individually but it seemed like a lot of people were talking about well I mean I was I, I was actually uh, doing a live report so uh, I, I didn't have the luxury of, uh, <laughs> of, of focusing on individual battles it did seem to me like uh, far be it from me to tell people how to referee hurling matches um, I, it did seem to me that very early on the ref just decided to leave the pair of them at it and that there was, short of hitting each other in the head there was no free going to be given um, between the two of them I, I'm not 100% certain on this uh, and I may go back and check it at some stage. I'm not. I don't think Dahi Burke gave away a free on Saturday, uh, and I actually thought he he maybe could have had maybe three yellow cards uh, in the normal run of things. I mean, there there were times when what Conan and, and Dahi Burke were doing to each other. If you compare that to the free that Davy Glennon got near the near the end, I can't even remember. Was the end of extra time or the end of normal time? That was the end of normal time, I think. Like, yeah. and and you're just kind of going, "How oh, that's a free?" And what the the two lads have, have been bear hugging for for the whole of the game, <laughs> and there's no free either way in there. I don't like. So I don't like. Matt, I, you're not allowed to give out about things. Hurling is the greatest <laughs> sport of them all. You, haven't, you obviously haven't heard. <laughs> yeah, I tried to convince a few a few real hurling men yesterday I kept going around do you know what the story is lads this game is actually too easy <laughs> you know that's that's what that's what all the scores are about like it's actually such is you know it's not really a serious sport at the end of the day. <laughs> I'm sure that went down that well. didn't get much traction no but uh but but die work I mean he, he he took a catch again. It's all a bit muddled in my head, but I think near the end of extra time, that set set up a point for Galway that was just phenomenal. Like he's just an, an a huge uh, broth of a man. Um, but Conlon, I thought, got the better of him in the second half of normal time when he absolutely had to. Like Conlon had been out of the game, they had cancelled each other out effectively, and that suited Galway in the first half. He, I thought, he did. He got the upper hand on him, and that was a big part of Clare coming back. Joking aside, is has the sport of hurling reached something of a peak this summer? Is there any recency bias? You think? I suppose we don't. We won't find that out until we look at this in the context of other summers in a few years' time. But it, d- it does seem to be just bloody amazing this year. I think on a very basic level, uh, I think. What Patrick was saying, uh, or, or was he? Or, or somebody was saying anyway that that look, we're very lucky uh, that the first year of this new format, we've hit upon a year where the teams are quite uh, quite level. Mm. Uh, like I don't know if the hurling summer would have been uh, so magnificent uh, had this format been in in let's say two thousand and eight when Kilkenny were head and shoulders above everybody anyway. Uh, but there is definitely something in the fact that. This was the seventh game of each of these teams' year, except Cork. It was Cork's sixth game of the year. These are the best hurlers in the country. They're the best conditioned uh, uh, hurlers in the country. Their skills are phenomenal. They work so hard on them. But they're also playing game after game after game after game, which they have never done before. The All-Ireland champions this year 
will have played either eight games if they're from Limerick or nine games if they're from So Clare they're actually Galway. improving, they're fine-tuning they're, their that's skills. Exactly I, guess, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that's exactly a big part of it. And that has led to, to, to where we are, that these guys are in in absolutely perfect lab conditions <laughs> to improve as they go along. And I think that that is fed into it. Uh, but the fact that, that they are all of a piece is, is also helps. Patrick, what do you reckon? Yeah, no, that, that that's exactly it. I think, you know, you need to have games. You need to have games in, in quick succession to, to improve as a player. You know, it's it's no good to me losing a Munster semi-final or losing a Munster first round and having to wait four weeks to play a meaningful game again or six weeks. You know, you... You've you've almost forgotten about the game um, in terms of your muscle memory or in terms of the things you've done wrong during the, the previous game. So you, having a game every week, like it was in the in the early rounds of the championship, and then every two weeks, three weeks, you know, from now on, it just it means that the guys are are, are climbing the ladder in every way um, in terms of their physicality, in terms of their fitness, in terms of um, their ability, in terms of the little things that they can tweak from the last day, and that that's why you're seeing the levels go up every every week. I think. Um, it's it's really really building, I suppose, to give each player the chance to to peak um, at the right time. Whereas in years gone by, you you had to peak and trough, and there was no guarantee that you would get back up again because you had a a long break of four to six weeks before a game. So it's 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 getting to the professional uh, realm, like you have a, a game in the Premiership week to week or in the Pro 14 or the Rugby, whatever it is, that teams can incrementally increase tweak small little things but ultimately then the performance goes goes up a, a couple of notches because it's all it's all tying in so well together and look we've it's you know having having these kind of games so close you know three games in the space of two weeks like is unheard of I suppose in, in years gone by and the level of quality we've seen this weekend and to be fair for, for the year already is, is has been absolutely brilliant and it just builds it all up and being able to talk about that being able to reflect on it um, and being able to take all the positives from that then just builds the excitement I suppose again then for the next day like it will be again with Clare and Galway on Sunday yeah another one to look forward to next Sunday Patrick Malachy brilliant stuff thanks Mel cheers all. Joel Kelly goes back to take the line ball it's on the verge it's on the verge for Galway Joel Kelly with the line ball back outside his own 45 line it's all over Galway have won the All-Ireland Championship Mick Kelly back in 1923 I was watching the Irish women's hockey team last night in the World Cup. Beaten by England, unfortunately, but didn't really matter too much. Managed to England, but Ireland had already qualified for the final, uh, for the knockout stages. Do you remember all the VAR controversies during the World Cup? Mm-hmm. I've got a solution based on watching the hockey last night. Which was? Well, can you describe to me, if you recall, the interactions between the referee and the VAR officials? More specifically, what was the camera shot? What was the viewer on TV seeing of the VAR officials or hearing of them? Um, as far as I remember, the, the referee was standing there looking at this monitor and then 
you see like a TV production studio yeah. in, in the inset. And, and all the guys were standing in there and they were, were sitting down in their full kits. Yeah, and better people are talking on headsets and yeah. no one's really sure who's saying what or who's talking or saying what to who. Exactly. Well, they need to give these VAR officials some personality and make them into characters in the game. So I was watching the Irish team play this match. Uh, amazing goalkeeping performance, I should say, by Aisha McFerrin for Ireland. Not quite enough. And they lost 1-0. But it was nil-nil for most of the game. As England were piling on more and more pressure as they needed to win to stay in the tournament, there were more and more VAR decisions. Right. And so the ref would go to VAR. It happens really quickly. You, you see the official clearly. They're sitting there pretty much front. Like, just, they're a human being. Right. These VAR officials are, are actual... I'm not even sure what it's called in hockey. I'm going to go for VAR for want of a better term. So you hear the conversation that's going on. There were so many of these calls. They were all going in England's direction right. that by the end of it, the Irish coach was just exasperated. He was laughing ruefully he was so exasperated by all these calls. They're all going, they're all basically... Going pe- back to Trevelyan there in the referee's booth? Or? They're, they're all going to penalty corners uh, and eventually England scored from, I can't even remember if they scored from a penalty corner or not. But by the end of it, the referee was laughing, she was realising she had to go to VAR again. She'd start laughing, would then go to the official in the booth, who you could see clearly, who was also laughing. Yeah. And they're all like, this is just a bit ludicrous, <laughs> but we kind of have to do it. So uh, I just felt there was a little bit more personality to the whole thing. Plus you also understood what was happening because they were talking to each other. Why were they giving all the, the um, decisions to England? Home team. Well, that's I guess that's what the rueful laughter of the Irish coach was all about. Uh, the VAR official and the referee would argue that they were making the correct calls and that they were going through the due process yeah. every single time. Eventually the pressure told and England won. There you go. It's not that complicated. Just, just make it clear what's going on. Fair play to England. Ireland still in there? Still in there, can you? They're, uh, they're going to be playing the quarterfinals and we'll be covering that, no doubt, on the World Service during the week. I think that's pretty much it. Uh, all that remains for me to thank you, Ken. Thank you very much, Alan. For your, um, for your hurling thoughts. <laughs> Input. Such as they were. <laughs> Limerick against Galway or Clare. Any, well, any... What's, your, what's your... That's your... So you didn't see the Galway Clare game, but I still want a prediction for next week. A completely uninformed prediction for the replay between Galway and Clare. I think it'll be Limerick against Clare. Clare. Shannon, Shannon side. <laughs> Shannon side final. That's my uh, feeling. Thanks, Ken. Thank you. Oh. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 